Hi, everybody. I'm Sunny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. All right, who is ready for a little respite from the serious topics around here? I am. We have worked through some pretty heavy things over the past couple of weeks, guys. And on this week's episode of We Gotta Talk, we're just, we're literally spiriting you away to better places, to beautiful places, places all around the globe with today's guest. And I could not be more excited to talk with Dan Dembski. He is the founder of Unbound Merino, and we're going to talk about that clothing company, what they make, and the sort of philosophy behind that. But he, do you want to give you a little bit more of a bio? He's a business leader, a serial entrepreneur, and he has a varied background. (laughs) These companies um, that he has worked with or helped to found are all over the map. He has worked in video production for a vinyl skins company, a funky socks company. Dan, I don't think I've ever introed anyone who has such a vast array of experiences in an intro bio. So welcome to the show and thank you for being here. Well, thanks for having me. It's cool to be here. Yeah. Um, serial entrepreneur is a phrase that's often used these days, but I feel like you have um, the right to use that very truly after telling me your, your sort of varied business background. Tell me how you landed where you are now with Unbound Merino what it is and like how you took such a varied career path. Well, I've, I've always, my career life has been solely entrepreneurship. I, I, I joked with you before that I don't know if I'm employable. So maybe I had to employ myself. Uh, but I did want to create a product and just wanting to create a product is not enough to go and start a business that might be good. But I was always racking my brain. Like, what is it? What can we create? What can we create? And me and my, co-founders who are my best friends, we would sit together and we would ideate all the time. So we would have a whiteboard or a chalkboard or a scrap paper. And every two weeks we'd meet up and come up with all these ideas of what can we create? What can we create that would be a good product and a good business? And this was while we were running other businesses, which we you know, sort of started to hate at the time. <laughs> but like I said, it's not enough to just say, I want to start a business and go start a business. The Unbound came into the picture when I felt the need for this to exist myself. I think that's the biggest green light, a big green light sign for you to start a business if you ever wanted to get into entrepreneurship is really just find that hole or that void of something that you want to exist. Now, we didn't invent merino wool. We didn't invent clothing. Like there's nothing really proprietary about what we're doing, but no one was doing it in the way that I wanted it to exist. And then I had this aha moment. I'm like, if I want it to exist and no one else is doing it, there's my idea. Let's go and do it. So we did it and we crossed our fingers and hoped that other people would would want what we were bringing out to the market. And there's turns out there's a lot of people just like me who wanted this to exist. So we started it back in 2016 and it's been growing pretty steadily ever since. And now we're selling in over 100 countries. It's pretty amazing. And I do want to get into what makes your clothing ideal for the frequent traveler and not, not even necessarily the frequent traveler, but any traveler. Um, but I want to talk about the spirit behind this company because it's clear by seeing you on social media, the life you live, the things that you're interested in, that you live the philosophy of your company, which is, I, this word is overused, but wanderlust, the lo- love of travel, the love of immersing yourself in other cultures and other places. And you can really feel the spirit of you behind this brand. So we we thought of a cool way to be talking about this topic today. I thought it'd be great to run through the top 10 places to visit before you die. And you you gamely came up with the list, even though I'm sure 
there are many more places. Tell me your first experience before we get into the list as a traveler and what it is about Frequent Traveler that's changed you as a human. I, you know, it, it's, it's sometimes it feels like an addiction. You know, I come back home and I just start thinking like, what's the next place? What's, <laughs> you know, And I always have a battle of going back to the places where I've already been or wanting to see something new because it's equally as fun to go to and discover new things in a place you've already been. So I always feel like I'm being pulled. I always have this feeling that I'll never see enough. But the reason I do it is you just, you never know where inspiration is going to hit. You just meeting with people. There's so many moments that I have when I travel where I just feel like this is what living is really about is exposing mm -hmm. yourself to different ways of thinking about anything could be just a meal or an entire way of thinking about how societies live together. Um, it makes me appreciate where I'm from because sometimes I'm like, it's really, I didn't realize how awesome that is back home. I always feel like I'm in a state of learning and challenging myself and growing and expanding my horizons when I travel. And sometimes I feel like it's an addiction because I can never get enough. I wish I could just sort of like, hey, maybe if I didn't have the travel bug, I, I'd, I'd have more solid routines in my life, but it's a part of me and, and I can't get enough. I think routines are overrated for them. Okay. Everybody loves a routine these days. I'm not, you know, variety is the spice of life. Did you travel much as a kid? I'm just curious if this was something that was instilled in you from a young age or something you sort of came to appreciate as you grew up. I came, so I did travel a little bit with my family, but we would, you know, we'd go to Florida and I'm, you know, when I was six years old, we went to Disneyland and, you know, that's that's one of the core memories of my life, you know, knocking on Goofy's door and there's a fake door. <laughs> It's a fake door. He never answered, but uh, I had I had good family trips, but it wasn't the real kind of going abroad and the real adventure uh, that I now seek. Uh, when I I can't remember what birthday it was, but it was in my early twenties. My brother bought me a ticket to go to Tokyo, and he's like, "I want you to experience this because he's been." And it was like the wildest gift, you know. You know, we're not like. Rich kids, we didn't have a lot of money. That was an enormous, enormous, generous gift of something he wanted me to experience. And I went by myself to Tokyo for a month. And that's where everything changed. I just felt like I was, uh, I my, my entire horizons expanded. And like, I think that's where the bug started. Yeah, I found too, you know, I've kind of reflecting on, and this interview caused me to sort of pause and reflect on the trips that impacted me growing up. And, and I think people think of travel as like a rich man's game and that you have to come from this family who can pay for the plane tickets and expose you. I mean, you can quote unquote travel by asking people who are from a different background of you, just a ton of curious questions and learning. I mean, you don't have to be stamping your passport. We can open our minds in a lot of ways, even before we get to that destination too. It's a mindset, you know, it's a curiosity. And until you're able to, you know, have the money or the means to travel like this, it feels exclusive, but uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be. Right. Well, well, you know, I told you I went to Tokyo, the big expense in that trip, and that's not a cheap city per se. Mm -mm. The big expense was the flight. And often the flight is the big expense, but not always. Sometimes you get a flight deal. But in that, you know, when I was in my early 20s, I didn't have, I, I had to budget every day. So I would have a little journal where I'd be logging how much I spent every single day because if it went over a hundred bucks, I'd have to lower my budget for the next day. And some days I would get by on $20, you know, and that was one of the best trips I've ever been on in my life. So inter interestingly enough, if you could just, there's so many amazing places in the world that if you just get to those places, your cost of living 
immediately drops. So mm. it's definitely not a rich person's game. It's just, uh, I think it's an adventurer's game. Yeah, it's just getting there, it sounds like. It's getting there. Not being scared to be alone, too. I think people think they have to have this, you know, big group thing happening. Or I mean, I have found the best times that I've had have been sort of moments of just complete solitude in foreign places and just being able to, even if it's for a couple of hours, being able to wander and just take it all in. So definitely I agree. I agree. And, and, and to be honest, you know, I, I do most of my traveling solo at this point and never, I, I'm alone when I want to be, mm-hmm. but I, it, you, you meet people everywhere. And when you travel, there tends to be not only are people open to you, but you tend to open yourself up in a way that you don't when you're in your own town. Like if I'm at home, I'm in Toronto. I, it's very unlikely, pretty much probably never, never happened where I'll meet someone and see it. And it could, it's not a romantic thing. It's just a, it could be a man or a woman that I just meet and think is interesting. I'm like, Hey, you want to grab a cup of coffee? I won't do that at home, but I do things like that. When I travel, I feel it sort of brings me out of my shell and I live in a way that's a little, a little differently than back home. So yeah. I never feel alone. I end up at, I have this thing when I travel, especially if it's for a longer period of time, where I, I I go into a new city knowing nobody, and I think I'm like, when I leave, I'm gonna have all sorts of new relationships. Some of them might last my whole life, and I don't know what they are, but I'm so excited. Who are these people? How am I gonna meet them? And then at the end of the trip, I'm like, those are the people. It always it always happens, and it's such an exciting feeling to look back, and it's almost like collecting stories and collecting relationships, and. I have lifelong friends I've met all over the world. How many languages do you speak? Just out of curiosity. Uh, I, I'm still sort of struggling with English. I feel sometimes <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I just started to learn Spanish and I'm okay. Un poco. But, un poquito, si. yeah. Very good. All right. Let's get to the list. This is really cool. Um, and we're going to run through this guys. If you're listening and you're waiting for the packing tips, they are coming because I chatted with Dan before the live show here, and we're going to make sure that we run through how to pack a great capsule wardrobe. You can travel even internationally with one suitcase carry on size, we promise. So we're going to get to the packing tips, but we want to go to the 10 places to visit before you die. And we start with number 10. I don't know how to pronounce this. Ljubljana, Slovenia. <laughs> Say it again. Ljubljana. Ljubljana, Slovenia. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We're seeing it, guys. If you're watching on the video, you're seeing a snapshot here. But tell us all about Ljubljana. So I want to start this by saying when I had to come up with a list of 10 places to travel, I mean, I that was hard for me because every place I go, I, I love. And I feel wherever you go, you have the ability to pick the flowers along with you or pick the weeds. And you can think, I, this is what I love about this place or this is what I don't like. And there's good things and bad things about everywhere you travel. Uh, but I tend to focus on picking the flowers because I don't know. It's a more interesting way to travel and live, I think. Um, but these were places I've been that I love. And I'll start with Ljubljana. I put that in because it hit me by surprise. You know, when you go to Europe, you think of all, you know, you think of London and Paris. And there are all these great cities all over that continent. Uh Lupiana is one that you don't hear about a lot. And as I was traveling through that, I only stayed there for a few days, but I felt like, is this the perfect European city? And it feels like it, but it doesn't have that like overabundance of touristic offerings. You know, people pushing menus, English speaking menus to you outside of restaurants to sell you mediocre food for a lot of money. <laughs> everything's like cheap. Everything's beautiful. Everything's so laid back. And traveling around in Slovenia, it's really small. 
been really interesting. There's a beautiful lake that's very famous there called Lake Bled with a beautiful hike that you can do around there. But the whole time I was in Ljubljana, I was thinking, how lucky am I that I decided to just choose this random place? I only came here because it seemed strange and different. Mm -hmm. And it's totally a place to go back to. I loved it. What did you do there? What For anyone who would travel there, what's like sort of off the beaten path type of thing that you would uh, suggest? Well, I had a car. So going to Lake Bled and going the hiking around there was really great. But when I was in town, it was just going to cafes, going to restaurants. I remember going to a weird cat cafe. The locals <laughs> were really, really open and, and, and just met a bunch of peculiar and interesting people. So it's just for me, it was just people watching cafes, eating, hiking. It was all very beautiful. I love it. I'm looking at the map. I had to ignorantly did not know where this was geographically located, where Slovenia was geographically located before this interview. And it's like right on the top right of Italy. So it's like Southern Europe. Okay. Do you know anyone famous from Ljubljana? Anyone come to mind? Not, not at all. Who would it be? <laughs> the former first lady, Melania Trump. Oh, that's where she's from. Oh, I didn't she's realize the, that. She's the famous uh, Slovenian, the, uh, I love it. at least okay. on, on this side of the world. The famous export. All right. Yeah. Let's move to number nine on the list. And that is a domestic location if you're located, at least in the United States. Charleston, South Carolina. We spent some time there this past summer, but um, tell us why Charleston is on your list. Dan. Well, what did you think of Charleston? I liked it. I was stuck in a convention center with a bunch of dancing girls. Um, okay. <laughs> it was a national dance competition, but we did get obviously out to check out the restaurants and the shops. Um, I wish I would have gotten to be more on the waterfront areas. We kind of were focused more inland, but um, I, I liked it. I thought it had a lot of charm. Yeah. So I'm not American. I, I think I mentioned I'm Canadian. Um, so, but I, I'm, I love road tripping around in the States. I think I feel like the United States is like a each state is so different. It feels like taking road trips in Europe where you go from one country to another and everything is the way the thinking is so different. And but Charleston felt like such a beautiful, old, historic American town that felt so beautifully American to me. Uh, and I was almost overwhelmed with how beautiful it was. But what was really interesting to me was I went on some of these tours. Where the, ghost, talk, the ghost tours? Not the ghost tours. Okay, I wanted to do that. that. I would do for like for humor. I, I did sign up for one of them, but it got canceled because of rain. Oh. But I went on a dark history tour. Ooh. And you walk around in Charleston and everything's so beautiful. And there's that Southern charm and that great Southern cooking and that Southern hospitality. But then you hear the dark history. You're like, wow, what's happened here is insane. Uh, just story after story. I'm like, this place is crazy. So there was that sort of dichotomy, that juxtaposition between like how crazy and dark the history is, but how beautiful it is. But I feel like, I don't know, to me, it was just one of the great little spots that shows how beautiful the style of the U.S. Mm -hmm. could be. Yeah, absolutely. And architecturally, it's interesting too. I'm not from the South originally. So every time I visit a new town in the South, in, in the States, I'm like, oh, you know, I, I get it a little bit more. You've got the palm trees and you've got this certain type of, I don't even know what architecturally the design is, but those multicolored, um, sort of like, they kind of look colonial. They're like all squished together in these little blocks, you know, in Charleston. It's very, like you said, very historical looking and you can feel, I, I will vouch for that. You can feel the spirits of the past almost. It was also, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I love about traveling is when a culture feels really, really strong. And there was something about that Southern charm that it just felt like 
You know, it wasn't, it, it, there's a way of living, there's a way of being, there's a way of acting, there's a way of carrying yourself there that it felt like, I felt like a little bit of an outsider, but I was just like spinning my head like, wow, look how people are dressed here. And I went to a nice restaurant and just the vibe. There was, it, the, the culture felt so strong. I just like loved being in it. Yeah. I feel like an outsider in the South too, if that makes you feel any better. Yeah. I'm fully, fully American. I'm like, yeah. wow, it really is like a different country in some places. Mm. Um, I love too, before we move on to the other one, how you mentioned taking these historical tours. It feels like kind of the overly touristy thing to do or like, eh, do I, it has added in the various cities that we've been to such a new element of appreciation for me. So I always try to like book, you know, the ghost tours or historical tours. It just, I agree with you. That and you get to see, and you get to talk to the, the tour guide who knows this is the great place to get this dish or mm -hmm. you get that those tips. But I actually did a walking tour in Toronto a couple of years ago. And that's something I felt like I would never do because I live here. Mm -hmm. Why would I need to do that? And I learned so much that I didn't know happened in the city that it made me appreciate my own town more. So it's even if you're in your hometown, like a tour is a good idea to do it. I love it. All right, let's move on to number eight on the list, Dingle, Ireland. We have a gorgeous picture to show for anyone who's watching here. Tell us all about Dingle, Ireland, Dan. Have you ever been to Ireland? I have, yes. And I was aghast at how green and beautiful it was. We were in, uh, we went there for a wedding and it was right outside of Dublin. What was the name of the, I don't know. Anyway, true like, Storybook forest vibes. Ireland hit me by surprise. I, I started in Dublin. We rented a car. We did a big road trip and we traveled to a bunch of towns. So Dingle's the one I picked because it felt like it felt purely Irish, but maybe the most off the beaten path. But the drive to get there is the most memorable part. So you drive along the Dingle Peninsula and it could be a little freaky, to be honest, because you're winding on these roads and there's these big buses shooting by and they're like, feels like there's not enough room for both of you. So, you know, you're you're very, very alert as you're trying to get your way over to Dingle. But you pull by these beautiful vistas and then you hit a beach and we pulled over on the beach and I discovered you can go surfing in Ireland. So I went surfing for a bit, got back in the car went down this crazy scary road a little bit more and ended up in Dingle which felt like an Irish town from a hundred years ago it's like nothing's changed the there was an old pub that was inside a hardware store where you can see all the tools on the wall but also they're pouring Guinness and it it was such a small beautiful little sort of one road town mm -hmm. that just felt like the purest Irish pub town you could ever imagine it was uh, it's not a pub you know what i can't say a pub town that whole country felt like a, a a pub to me because they're so friendly the irish are like insanely friendly people and they're pouring guinness all over the country everywhere you go <laughs> i was having i was i was drinking more there than i drank anywhere because i was always like <laughs> i want to have a guinness with this person and that person but dingle was the coolest place but it's the drive to get there that makes it really really special yeah. I, I wonder, this has just kind of occurred to me as we're chatting and, you know, we have these stereotypical views of certain cultures and societies and, you know, we associate the Irish with being happy and friendly and boisterous and social and we associate the British with being a little more buttoned up. But have you found in your travels, Dan, that there are reasons behind some of these, like, you know, I know in this age, we're not supposed to lean into it, but sometimes I feel like 
those things become the popularized versions of any given culture for a reason. So like, what is your concept of stereotypes and how much well, to lean into them after experiencing so much in the world? Well, you know, there, there, when you go to certain places, sometimes you realize there are ways that they do things. Right. And sometimes it's different. So, you know, stereotypes could have a negative connotation in the sense that you can look at a culture and be like, oh, they're like this. And, you know, it's not, it's not nice to box people into something that might be negative, but like I, you could like, you know, like I said, I like to pick the flowers instead of the weeds. On the other end, it's like, there's things that you could pick up in other cultures that relate to courtesy or like creativity or, uh, you know, there's a, in a couple of the, the, the towns that we have in my, my top 10 list, there's a few things I'll bring up, but sometimes I, I just love finding the way that they do things that are different. And just being, huh, that's, I wish it was like that at home. Yeah. And I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep that little thing for me. And I'm going to be like that. I'm going to, I'm going to incorporate that into the, who I am or I love that. try my best to. So I love that. Yes. Better than a souvenir. Okay. Number seven, uh, number seven, Buenos Aires, Argentina. Um, this is a cool picture that I picked. It's a little artistic, but tell us what we're seeing, Dan, and what is so great about Buenos Aires. So that was the last place uh, I just came back from. Uh, I spent a month in Buenos Aires. I always wanted to go. I have an uncle from Buenos Aires and he's always a, a fascinating guy. So ever since I was a kid, I've always just had this interest to go there. Also my business partner is uh, half Argentinian. Uh, this was a place where I spent a month and it made me question why I'm not living elsewhere other than Toronto. I like, there's a lot to love about Toronto, but I'm just like, why am I not here? It architecturally was incredible. It had amazing neighborhoods. It felt safe. Um, every morning I would just wake up and walk through this. There's a beautiful tree canopy on the street where I was staying and the sun was beaming through and just seeing people hanging out on cafe patios. I, I I don't even know where to begin. This is so fresh to me, but it mm -hmm. was one of the most vibrant, awesome, amazing cities I've ever been to. Looks I'm not like saying much about it. It's just, it's just, um, it's, if, do you know what it felt like if, and this is, people say this a lot, but it felt like a, a European city in South mm -hmm. America. So it had this hybrid feeling of, some people do call it the Paris of South America. I don't know how accurate that is, but some of the buildings are very Spanish, very French because of the, you know, the different cultural influences of who's come into Argentina, Argentina. It's very right. European. The you language, know, the way they speak Spanish, it sounds like a, a hybrid of Italian Spanish. Like it's such a beautiful sounding version of Spanish. They're so, again, we're talking about, you know, like strong cultures. They, hmm. you know, do you know what the, the number one religion in Buenos Aires is? Is it Catholic because of all the Italians? No, it's soccer. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that makes you, more you, sense. Yeah. You, the way they love for soccer. Like, I'm not a huge soccer fan, but it's like, it, it felt like religion. And it's yeah. like, gets it's so interesting. It's so fun to be a part of. And I was there. They just won the World Cup. So they were still high oh, on yeah. that. Um they love tango dancing and you see it everywhere. They love their food. They love their wine. I mean, it's an amazing wine country. So it's, it, this culture is so strong and it just, you just get sucked right into it. Oh, I love it. You know, I'm taking, um, 
taking Italian lessons. And I go every week with this group of people who is the average age is probably 70 to 75, like no hate, no shade. But I have a friend named Ovidio and he's from Argentina. And he told me how strong the Italian population is in Argentina. And he said exactly what you said is that the, the blend of the languages makes it so such a unique form of Spanish. And now I really hear it when he speaks. It's just, I never knew that I'm Italian of Italian heritage and mm. he sort of opened up a whole new world. I was like, wow. And of course, um, did a little more research, but like you said, things you would never know unless you've been there or talked to someone. It's just, it was really cool to learn that. Love it. Uh, let's move on to number six back in the U S for Burlington, Vermont. What do you okay. love about Burlington? So this is a place where the culture and really, really took me aback. And they have a way of doing things that just felt like they, they're not influenced from, from outside towns or outside influences. They don't have that corporate interest changing the way that they live. And like everything felt special like it was a town or a little village where they've done things and express creativity in their way and they continue to want to do it their way and the first thing i noticed about burlington was i was walking around trying to put my finger on like what makes this place so beautiful like it felt different i've been to a lot of small american towns you know remember small cities i don't know if it's a town or a city but um I've been to a lot, but something felt different about this. I was trying to put my finger on it. And someone said, asked me, said, what makes this look so beautiful to you? And I'm like, that's what I've been trying to, that's what I've been asking myself. And he said, there's no outdoor advertising. It's illegal here. And I looked around and there's no billboards. And I realized I'm like, that's so interesting and awesome because where I'm from, they're everywhere. So it's a, you know, an ad for this clothing company or this medicine or whatever it is. And how much of an eyesore that is. And they do that just to preserve the beauty. The, the only ad space they have is a little 8 by 10 in bus shelters, which is solely for not-for-profits that they don't they let not-profits have for free. That's sort of a small little thing about what makes it beautiful, but you find those values permeate through everything in that town. They Every restaurant you go to, all of the food is from the local farms that's wow. within sort of, you know, feels like walking distance from where they are and it lists it. So it's like, this is where we get our eggs and this is where we get these vegetables. So it's all seasonal and it's all incredible food. But, you know, my favorite band is from there. So what's that? Uh, fish. Oh my it's God. Why, fish. It's why I love road tripping around America so much. I go and see a lot of fish concerts. So, um, <laughs> But they're from Burlington, and it makes a lot of sense because you get that sort of rootsy, mm -hmm. improvisational, like, love for art and culture, and it's in every bar. Like, I remember being in a brunch restaurant, and this band was playing, and typically if a band is playing in a restaurant, I, I kind of get annoyed. I'm like, ah, this is annoying. This guy's singing and yelling an Ed Sheeran song at me or something. <laughs> But there, I'm like, no, this music is designed for this room. It fits so perfectly for the brunch. But it's also like, this band is so good that I would buy a ticket just to see this. Mm -hmm. And I saw that in so many places. I'm just like, so this is a town that they love the beauty of the way their town works. They all support their local farms and local food producers. Local artists are everywhere. And the caliber of art is so high. Mm -hmm. 
that I couldn't believe that the culture could be that strong in such a small town. So where Burlington did you, is a special place. Yeah. Where did you stay? Do you recommend in an Airbnb situation, a hotel, a small B&B? What's the... I stayed in a hotel, which wasn't that nice. I don't hmm. remember what area was in. I was just out the whole time, just yeah. like going to different restaurants, going to see the bars that Fish used to play at. Right. We, you know, we did a tour of... The, you know, there's a big company that's from there. Ben and Jerry's ice cream is from oh, Burlington. Yes, Vermont. of course, of course. But that's like, even that, like for a big company, it feels like that's like a, it makes sense they're from Burlington. You know, they have that, that, that those core values of being environmental, you know, they're very funky and artistic. Like it's for a big brand, that's very Burlington. And you can see that, like, it makes sense. They're from mm. here. Those, those two hippies, Ben and Jerry, they came <laughs> from there. I love it. All right. Number five on the list is Mexico City, Mexico. I really want to go here. I want to know what your highlights are here and why this was on the list. So Mexico City may be my favorite city in the world. And I'm, that's where I'm going. I'm going in two weeks. I'm going back there. And the first time I went there was in 2019. And I've been five or six times already. So wow. I keep going back because I keep jumping off from there. I, I find a way if I'm going to... When I went to Buenos Aires, I'm like, well, I might as well start in Mexico City and get a little, a little more of that. But it, it's the. Where do I even start? Let's start with the food, okay? I love Mexican food, but I did not try Mexican food until I went to Mexico City. It's like you you haven't had it until you've been there because you realize how expansive Mexican food can be the flavors are so much more vast than what we get in, well, in Canada, probably in the States too, where it might be mm -hmm. more like a Tex-Mex thing. Um, but what I love about Mexico City the most is the people and their love for their own culture. And when you meet people from Mexico City, they're as excited about Mexico City as you are to explore it and They'll want to pull you in. Oh my God, you have to go try this taco here. You have to go to this bar here. You got to hear this music here. And I always feel like I'm getting pulled into a million places where the it's alive seven days a week. There's the art museums, the restaurants, um, the mezcal bars, the kitschy stuff, like going to see Luce Libre, the Mexican wrestling. Mm -hmm. I mean, that touristy, I mean, it's semi-touristy. It's so fun and so different. Um, Mexico City is the greatest. And I think it gets a bad rap because people deem it as unsafe. But that's just a myth. I mean, I, I walk around. I'm not saying you should too, but I walk around by myself at night. I've never felt remotely unsafe there. It's mm -hmm. uh, just beautiful neighborhoods, beautiful art, beautiful people, beautiful food. Mexico City is the best. Number four is actually also in Mexico, Yalapa, Mexico, on the list. Where is this geographically, too? If you drive, I think, north of Puerto Vallarta for about an hour. Okay. So um, recently I went here, and I put this on because it's a, there's so much to see in Mexico. But a lot of people, when they think of Mexico, they think of, look, there's nothing wrong with going to a place like Cancun mm -hmm. or Playa del Carmen if, you want, if you're going for the weather. But... There's so much more to see in that country that than other people than people usually care to explore. Yalapa's mm -hmm. a small little town and it has all these great little hotels. So we stayed at a hotel called Verena, 
which is a boat ride out of Yalapa. And it was probably one of the most special places I've ever been in my life, just as like in the jungle and you get to really experience the nature of Mexico in a different way. And along the, the path from Puerto Vallarta, if you're driving the little taco stands that you'll see along the street, it felt like the reason I put this in is because I feel people should explore Mexico more, especially if you're in the States, it's so close. It's mm -hmm. so beautiful and one of the best countries to explore and it's massive. So Yalapa was like the other end. So Mexico City is the big, massive, cultural, amazing city. And Yalapa is like the little, beautiful, in the jungle town that's just the opposite, but showing the range of Mexico, which is a country I think more people should really, really explore more of. It's beautiful. All right, number three, we are in Europe for Berlin, Germany. Never been. Tell us what you love about Berlin. Uh, Berlin, uh, Berlin is one of the coolest places in the world. And what I think is really cool about it, you know, we talked earlier about history tours and then, you know, I talked about the dark side of Charleston and how cool that was. Well, Berlin feels like a really creative, artistic, expressive, amazing city, but what they have gone through, it almost doesn't compute. Like from yeah. what happened in world war two to the Berlin wall feels like the complete, opposite of what that city is and what's interesting is people that have lived through that are still alive and living in berlin and able to tell their stories so i you know i was in a taxi and the taxi driver told me that when the berlin wall went up it separated him and his wife what how and because it went up in a day so if you were in east berlin or west berlin if you were on either side you were shut off from what was on the other side so the wall went up and he didn't see his wife for 20 years oh or whatever or 20 years whatever the length of it was because they couldn't because you couldn't cross over you'd be shot and it, history aside what i love about berlin is their love of creativity you know they had you know i didn't like techno music until mm -hmm. i went to berlin i said okay this is what techno music is and everyone loves it there it's not just for young kids who want to party mm -hmm. they're they're you know, 60, 70 year old married couples that go to techno clubs and dance. And it's so strange. It gets so different from what I have at home. <laughs> they love to dance. They love art, like visual art. They play techno in parks. They love to enjoy life. They're creative, incredible, and expressive people that went through some of the weirdest and roughest history. And I think that's shaped them. So I just met people who would tell unbelievable stories about what's happened in Berlin. And again, to go back to talking about tours, I did a bike tour there and it was the fat tire bike tour. That was the single greatest tour I've ever been on. Cause you got to see all the sites where all of this stuff happened and try to make sense of this could happen in our world. And if this could happen here, it can happen anywhere. Cause it's, it's, it's just, it does. It, it, if there's a city where that history would make less sense, mm -hmm. it happening, it's Berlin. It makes no sense, but it happened there, and it's really fascinating, and it's really fun, and it's really alive. Oh, I feel like we could talk about that alone forever. The mm -hmm. way we're talking about the way that travel can change people, you know, can impact how you view even socio-political things from that point out. All right, let's mm -hmm. make this our way through this list, and then we're going to get to packing tips. Number two on our list is Santa Teresa, Costa Rica. This is a gorgeous picture. Tell us what you love about it. It's paradise. Um, it's a small little town, little dirt road. 
lots of great little restaurants set up that are almost like shacks. And this is this was the first trip I went on. I was there for a couple of weeks where, you know, sometimes when I travel, I don't know about you, but my my healthy eating habits are thrown out the window. Like I'm like, listen, if I'm going to Italy, I'm eating pasta all day. I don't care. I don't care if I get a little add a few pounds on. It doesn't matter. I'm there to eat. I'm there to enjoy. Uh, Costa Rica, I stayed in Santa Teresa. It was the only place where I went where I came back so much healthier. Oh, uh, really? Because I was all the food was so fresh and healthy. Right. I was waking up for this every day, and this is what everyone is doing there. They're watching the sunrise and they're watching the sunset. For those two events, it feels like the whole town stops. When the sun is setting right over the water, which is a beautiful thing to watch as you see the sun sort of descend just in the ocean, and that little light is away. Everyone is watching. Hmm. And you just get exposed to that desire to just stop and enjoy nature. But also you're rising to the sun to the sun and you're letting your day wind down to the sun. And I found myself by 9 PM. I was dead tired. I didn't feel like going out having beers. I'm like, I just want to sleep and wake up and catch the sunrise. I'd go surfing. That's where I started surfing for the first time. And Every day I was active. By the way, sorry if you hear snoring. It's not me. It's my pug who's under my feet. It's, it's uh, okay. Wait. But uh, every day, every single day, um, I would just be active, eat healthy, and just live to see the sunrise and set. And it just that that was a a, a changing experience because I grew up in a city and everything is all hustle, go go go. And I I think I really dwelled in. And that trip on, I, I don't know how natural it is to be in a city as much as I am. I think mm -hmm. I need to break away because I felt things in my body. My physiology was calming down. Mm -hmm. And I came back and I remember looking in the mirror. I'm like, damn, I have a nice tan. I'm fitter than ever. Like I should live. I should probably move to Costa Rica. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, there is a lot of science to support exposing your eyes to the light from a sunrise and a sunset. So you actually were probably much healthier. Happier, healthier. And I remember, yeah. I remember my surf instructor, he, I said to him, like, you seem like the happiest guy in the world. Is that that's because I am. And I'm <laughs> like, really? I, said, I said, what's your secret? He's like, well, for me, it's just surfing every day. That's all I need. He's like, I'll tell you one thing. I'm probably the poorest guy within a, a kilometer of here, but uh, I don't need much. I just need my surfboard, some rice and beans to eat. I'm happy. He's like, I feel like the happiest man in the world. And I'm just sitting there just like, oh, I hustle all day. It's like, I, maybe I just need a surfboard and some rice and beans. Yeah, gosh, you know what? It's an argument for simplicity. That's for sure. We need so much less than we think we do. Yeah, that's what you'll learn in, in Costa Rica. Just like the beauty of nature, the beauty of simplicity, and the beauty of taking care of your body. I love it. And the number one destination on your list was Tokyo, Japan, which I know holds a special place in your heart. Yeah, this is where my... Wanderlust started. Um, Tokyo is the coolest place. If I could only, if 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 everyone could only go on one trip for whatever reason, and it could be anywhere, it should be Tokyo, especially if you're from the Western world, because it's the most different than anywhere else in the world. Everything about Tokyo. I, when I went there, I felt like I didn't fly somewhere on an airplane. I flew on a, a spaceship and I landed on another planet because it's the way they do everything is different it's so orderly 
Um, you go into a convenience store. There's nothing that looks familiar. And I almost felt like I was getting whiplash just trying to absorb everything that I was walking by. Um, but they have this intensity that feels like a future city. And then they have this beauty of this like ancient, you know, if you go from Tokyo and you go to Kyoto and look at the temples, like, I mean, you're looking at something so vastly different. But what I love the most is their love of design and beauty. And when you go into a coffee shop and you'll notice like the table, it's not, nothing is like, feels like Ikea or put together or just like cookie cutter or following some kind of trend. And I, I see that a lot in my hometown, new restaurants will pop up. Like this is a trendy look, you know, it looks like it's in a garage and then all the restaurants start to look one way or another. Everything there is about craftsmanship and there's beauty down to the smallest details and then intensity in the highest in most intense kind of way. It's, 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 it's shocking. It's different. It's incredible. And it's the coolest place. And I hope that I can go back there many, many times. I love it. Just really quickly before we move on, uh, where, where do you suggest people who are first timers stay going there? What's the Airbnb situation? I mean, I know the real estate is a premium in Tokyo. So do you like a hotel situation or do they even have something that would get you in like a Airbnb? Like, yeah, give us some tips. Yeah. Um, I've stayed in hotels and I've stayed in Airbnbs there. And it's actually surprisingly, it's not Tokyo is less expensive now because everything is inflation all over the world, but they haven't really had it as bad. So I was talking to my brother who lives there and uh, he came to Toronto and he was like, I can't believe how expensive it is here. It feels like Tokyo's cheap by comparison. So that's a change. Wow. It hasn't really, the pricing has sort of stayed static. So it, mm -hmm. unfortunately to everywhere else, it's gone cheaper. But you want to, when you first go there, I would stay, I mean, it depends on what you like. You have to like big cities to do this, but you want to go right into Shinjuku or Shibuya, which are the kind of the tourist centers that you'd want. But that's where all the intense stuff happens. But that's what I'd suggest. Just get dropped off in there and you can find Airbnbs. You can find hotels there, but you had to be prepared to stay in a pretty small place. Like the hotels for an average price, you'll walk into that room and you'll be like, wow, this is tiny. Like everything <laughs> is really small and there's tons of people. So a word of caution. If you don't like being around a lot of people, Tokyo might not be for you. But if you're okay with that, if you like going to cities, it's like the city to go to. Okay, cool. You have me inspired to want to go there. All right, Dan, I want to move on to the whole um, philosophy behind Unbound. Unbound Merino is your company. We talked about it a little bit in the beginning. Um, you guys make clothing that is packable, lightweight, easy to travel with. And I, I'm sure it was inspired, of course, by your travels. Um, walk us through what your suitcase looks like. And is it possible to pack for an extended trip abroad even in like a carry-on size suitcase? Well, I've done six months in a carry-on. So Stop. Yeah, I've done six okay. months in South America. Um, I am a great packer, but I don't think there's one method. I think you really have to know like what is your experience going to be? And that's always deeply personal. So I always look at these lists like here is the ultimate packing list. There is no ultimate packing list right. for, for you. There's an ultimate packing list for you on your particular trip that you're going on. But the way I pack, and this is the foundation of what how we started this business, is what items 
can I pack that will reduce the most amount of other stuff? Mm -hmm. So what we make is we make travel clothing. It's, it's antibacterial, it's odor resistant. And, you know, we started with just t-shirt socks and underwear for men. That was the core product of what we just started with. And it was built around the premise of like, if I'm going to go away for two weeks, you know, in the way I would pack before is like, well, I don't know if I could hit a laundromat. So I better have two weeks worth of t-shirts. Maybe it's 10, maybe it's 14 t-shirts, whatever you feel you might need for two weeks. Well, if you had t-shirts that you didn't need to wash after every single wear, are you going to get, can you get by on three? So let's just say I can't hit a laundromat for a week or two. It's okay. You know, it's, it's kind of like jeans, right. you know, people don't usually wash jeans after every wear because you don't need to. Because denim is antibacterial and it's odorous. It is. Oh, I didn't realize that. So what yeah. is it in Unbound Merino that makes it, it like antibacterial and sort of smell resistant? Like what well, is it about our, the fabric? That's our company secret. No, I'm just uh-huh. kidding. No, it's just kidding. We don't, it's not a secret at all. We nothing about what we make is proprietary or or a secret. It's we our t-shirts are made of hundred percent merino wool. So that's naturally antibacterial and naturally odor resistant. I mean, the science behind it quick simply is it, the the wool that a merino sheep has has a coating on it called lanolin, which doesn't allow moisture to be absorbed into the material. Mm. And when moisture absorbs into a material, that's where bacteria could grow. That's what causes odor. So if you never have the ability to have the moisture absorb, the bacteria will never grow. It will never smell. Mm. So if you don't get your shirt dirty, you don't spill on it, doesn't get dusty or anything like that. It's clean and fresh, even if you wore it many, many days in the in a row. Now, when we launched our business, I did a test where I wore it 46 days in a row. What? And I even worked out in it. I did I was going, it was to prove a point and it was to go to the extreme, but I did hot yoga classes in it. Uh <laughs> I did spin classes. I and every single day I would hang it up, let it air dry so the moisture goes away. I go out to dinner. With friends, you would have like, no idea. Okay, wait. I'm curious though, because where do the sweat stains go? They dry off. I mean, you get what? if I get if I and get, you don't get that weird rim with the border, the sweat border. No, no. So that's nothing to do with a t-shirt. If you ever get that, it's because of your deodorant it has uh, aluminum oh, in it. But, yeah. Interesting. But, okay. Um, so realistically, we could pack any of these items for. X amount of days that we're traveling and be able to rewear it without being the stinky elephant in the room. Yeah. And that's a sort of premise. So the first step is like, what, how can you reduce the most amount of stuff? And you could, it doesn't have to just be like, get a Merino wool t-shirt because that means you can wash less and then you can have less, which is a, a really good tip. But you think about everything, like how, you know, if you're packing pants, for example, you could say, mm, I really like these pants. Um, that would look really nice on this occasion. And that might be fine if you want to pack it, but if those pants don't, you wouldn't want to wear them on any other day. They don't have the Mm -hmm. versatility to wear every day. It might just be taking up room that you might want to give to something that has more versatility. So everything's about versatility. So I think when I pack pants, what pants could I wear when I go to a co-working office to work all day, but also, you know, if I put a nice, nice shirt on and a nice watch or whatever I can dress them up to. So it's all about versatility and mm-hmm. reducing. Okay. Tell me this just to get as specific as we can. And I know this will vary by trip and location, of course, but what is the average, say we're going away for a week. Let's be even just 
conservative in our estimate of of how much we need. And and it's to a place where we're going to need a couple of fancier outfits for a dinner or a night out, as well as some touristy walk the streets, comfortable clothing that we can get around in and and feel great. How, how many t-shirts are you packing? How many pants? Like give us numbers, like try to picture it. And, and is there any hack you use? I know that I love packing cubes and they've completely changed the way that I pack. Um, mm-hmm. Give us some like specific how your suitcase actually looks. Okay. So I, I won't give numbers because again, I think it's really personal. You have to know what, what you're traveling for, but even I don't have an ultimate packing list, like I said, but every time I go away, I mean, if it's for a weekend or something, I, I mm-hmm. intuitively know just what to throw in my bag. But right. if, if I'm going away, like my next trip, I'm going to three different countries for maybe six weeks. I don't know, maybe eight weeks, it, 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 an undecided amount of time. I write down the situations I'll be in. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I write airplane, workout, nice dinners, uh, every day, you know, whatever my situations are. And I just sort of make a list of like what I need. And like, I try to make it reduce everything as much as possible. Another thing when you're, because you, you know, some people don't want to wait, like feel like they're wearing the same thing all the time when they have such a, a small amount of clothing. Uh, if you have clothing that you can mix and match, it looks good together. You have more combinations of stuff. And you can feel if that's important to you to feel like you're wearing you know, different looks and having different looks. If you like taking lots of Instagram pictures, you might not want to look like you're wearing the same stuff all the time. Right. You just have to make sure everything looks good together. So whatever shorts you're packing, whatever pants you're packing, do they look good with each color of t-shirt that you're packing? So I will literally lay my stuff out and just say like, does everything like look good? Like if I wore that, 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 does that look good? Does that look good? And then I, it gives you like variety of what you're wearing, even if you have a lot of like very, very few items of clothing. Um, but you talked about, uh, you know, you need something for a fancy dinner. That's the one X factor that is hard for people because if you bring fancy clothes, um, it might not have any purpose outside of that fancy dinner. But what's cool is if you reduce your everyday clothes to the the bare minimum and the simplistic, versatile minimum that you can, you have room for that fancy outfit. Like my business partner was going to, uh, on a trip, I think he was going to Barcelona and he was going to see some concerts there. And he had this weird, uh, I made fun of him for it, but he had this like jumpsuit that had banana <laughs> banana prints on it. And I was like, you're a co-founder of a travel clothing company and you're bringing this absolutely purposeless like banana jumpsuit. He's like, yeah, but if it were for Unbound Marina, I wouldn't have room to pack this for that fun. And it's like, that's a good point. That's so, awesome. So there's still always room for if you have that one thing that you really want to wear that, you know, if you're going to a nice function, you want to have that nice outfit. Even if it has no other purpose, you want to reduce everything that you have on an everyday level so you can make room for that one thing. Any other brands you want to call out? Like you you mentioned, like a pair of versatile pants or anything else you want to suggest for people who are who are traveling? And I know this is going to be for men's clothing only, but it's it's worth mentioning. Hmm. So I I always try to everything. So this is going to sound so self so self interested, but we always try to like make the perfect clothing for everything for the sake of packing. I've been on a pursuit of trying to find the perfect travel shoes 
Hmm. And I'm going to call it one because tra- shoes are the hardest thing for me to pack because they take up the most space. And if you only have a few pairs of shoes, you really beat on them and they get dirty. And, and, you know, I like having a few pairs of shoes, but I found a, I want to call this brand new because they solved a huge problem for me, but they're called Vessi and they're a shoe brand. And spell that, spell that for us. V E S S I. Okay. And they make a waterproof mm. shoe. They're sneakers or like sometimes they, I think they also make more boot like shoes. But what I like is their sneakers because, you know, I, I remember being in Shanghai once and I was wearing these Nike fly knit shoes and the fly knits are like, they're basically like a net. Right. And it started a torrential downpour started and I was walking through it with like netting for shoes basically. And I could just feel my socks just squishing in the water and it was so so brutal so i'm like okay i need boots but boots are so annoying to pack and the only way to pack them is to wear them i mean i think the only way to pack them is to wear them on a plane but they're uncomfortable (laughs) to wear on a plane so vessies gave me a sneaker that i could wear every day but i could walk through puddles um that's an amazing travel product that's awesome i'm also have you tried all birds Yes. I, like, yeah. I think Allbirds is great for the not waterproof thing. Yeah. The, and I wash them all the time. I mean, it, it, this is why I prefer to travel in the warmer months too, because especially as a woman, the, the variety of footwear is, you know, it's important to us for certain outfits, but the ability to pack like a flat sandal is just so much easier and more space efficient than having to like load in. I've given up on heels entirely while traveling, mm. but um, me too. But yeah. <laughs> it's just, just not your thing anymore. Yeah. Right. No. <laughs> um, well, Dan, I, I wish we had more time. I have enjoyed so much talking to you. You are living just a dream life and um, I'm very envious of the opportunities you get to see all the corners of the world. So uh, before we wrap up, tell us how to find out more about both you and your company, maybe some exciting projects that are coming up in the future that we can also keep an eye out for. Um, well, can I just ask you one question first before I let you go? I'm curious about what your dream trip is because you have kids. I mean, is your dream trip to take your whole family somewhere or is it like to escape for a little bit? Yes. Okay. So my dream trip, we're actually trying to execute this summer. We're going to Italy with the kids for three weeks. I have three kids. Yeah. They're 10, eight and five, a son and two daughters. And so, you know, I was like, this feels like the right age. So this has been my dream trip, but I'll let you know after July how Amazing. it goes. That will yeah. be a core, a core memory for them all. That's going to be incredible. Yeah. That's what I hope for them. I mean, and I, Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, and just hearing you talk about the impact of it, it's just, it inspires me even more because if there's something you can give them and it doesn't have to be to the far flung corners of the world, this is not how I grew up or what I experienced, but to be able to do that has been, it's just very cool. It makes me a little, you know, misty. That, that That's, that's amazing. Just eat all the pasta. Oh my god! I don't know how you eat in your in your daily life, but throw it out the window. Just carbs all day. I do. We went last year. My husband and I went. We went on a delayed anniversary trip, and we did um, Positano and um, Rome. And very quickly, we only could get away alone for six days. And Dan, it changed. I mean, it changed my life. Just the way that we ate and the the vibe. I felt finally like I was. I felt the people felt so familiar to me being Italian American. And I told my, my husband, I was like, this is much more emotional for me than I thought it would be. And it's, it was just such an amazing, amazing, amazing. gift. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So I will be, um, I'm going to be checking out your stuff and possibly packing some for this yeah. July. So yeah, absolutely. Dan, you are amazing. Um, tell us your Instagram handle, your companies, 
Um, and like I said, how we can how we can get in touch. Well, you can find us on just type Unbound Merino into Google. You can find our Instagram or website. And I'm Dan Dembski, just like yes. that. Find me anywhere. Awesome. I will post a lot. Can you promise that you'll post a lot on social media of your upcoming trips? If we're going to be following you, we want some good travel content. Okay, I'll try. I'll try. I'm not, I'm not much of a poster. Like sometimes I'm just like, like, what am I doing posting this? I could just be like enjoying it, but I don't know. Maybe I will. Try it. Try it out for us, for the masses. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Dan, thank you. My next place in Mexico City. I'll try to post all the things I love about it. I would love that. I will be following for one. Great. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you guys for watching and or listening to this episode of We Gotta Talk. This was so fun. Just so fun to like take a virtual trip in the middle of the day. I'm grateful to Dan as well as Unbound Marino for offering us their time and perspective on how to travel well. And thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of We Gotta Talk. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and follow along on Instagram at Sunny Abata, S-O-N-N-I. A-B-A-T-T-A. All of the latest blog posts are at wegotatalk.com slash blog. Hey.